My dad calls me. He says, I got trouble. I say, what you got? And he needs this fixed or that fixed. I sometimes say, what'd you tear up now? Told him one day, I said, my grandpa didn't start tearing up stuff till he's 80. I said, you're doing it 70. My son calls me. He said, I need help. What do you need? I want help. My drain won't drain. Well, I don't know anything about your house. I said, Jackson inspected it. Call Jackson. We go look at it and try to figure out it. I want to solve it. I want to help. You know, I love my dad. He needs help. I want to help. I love my boy. He needs help. I'm going to go help. We're going to figure out these drains. And we, we figured them out. They're full of walnuts. He's got a varmint problem or something around there. These little old girls at church one day are standing there. I was cleaning up the communion. I looked at them little girls. I said, you want to help? They said, we want to help. I said, come with me. And boy, they made help. They helped me. They helped me clean that up. I let them. I said, here's your cup. You get one cup. You can drink. <laughs> and I don't know. We probably had 10 or 20 all together. They're happy to help. And I think most people are that way. We want to help. We especially want to help someone we love. And maybe it's a challenging thing that comes up or a hard thing. Or maybe someone asks you to go a great ways. Do something that's very difficult. Labor or hard or whatever. Because I think most of us want to help. I think that's in nature. I think it's true because people love. We want to help because we love. You know, sometimes you can't help. I don't know if you've ever been there and want to help and care, and you can't. You see someone you love hurting, you can't help. You want to hurt for them, you know. My dad broke his hip, and we really didn't even know it was broke, and he was hurting. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys, he don't complain. And I knew he was hurting. He was hurting bad. I said, Pop, what can I do? I want to help. You know what he said? He said, pull my leg. And I got down the floor, and I pulled. He's harder. I pulled. He's not enough. The next two weeks, every time I was around, I pulled his leg. You know why? I love him. But sometimes you can't. We had a tornado in 95, and after the storm had passed over, we crawled out of the cellar and went to looking around. Maybe there's somebody we can help. And we found the path of the storm, and it's horrible. Start driving down a road to my uncle and their place is gone I'm not talking about blowed down a little bit I'm talking about gone my wife started to cry I probably wasn't at my best I said shut up shut up you just because I'll tell you, in my heart, we're going to hunt their dead bodies. 
There weren't a thing on earth I can do. Not one thing. Not one. And I think we want to help. And I want to tell you something. Our Heavenly Father loves you and He wants to help you. And He can help. He can help anything you've got. And I want to tell you something even greater than that. He can help the very worst problem you have. And I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk with you about the gospel. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And there's a problem that I have, and there's a problem that you have, because judgment is coming. And it, it ain't a good deal. It's not going to be a happy time. It's going to be a hard day when we've got to stand before the Lord and answer. Because I've got things I've done that I am not happy about. I am ashamed. And I know that you're in the same boat. And it's going to begin with us first. And he says, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And God has a standard, and that standard has been set, and it cannot be changed. And you and I have got trouble. Because God's going to call us into account one day. And I'm going to tell you what, on that day, I cannot look to my Father and say, Help! I can't turn to my wife and say, Help! Or my son. Or Lee Adair. Or Hugh Miller. I can't go and say, Help me! I'm going to meet God alone. You're going to meet God. There's going to be a day of judgment. And he says, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? So I need to ask you a question, and I think it's one of the greatest questions of life. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? And so... I want you to answer this question. A lot of people say, well, what is the gospel? And as I've sat down over the years and studied with people, I'll look them in the eye and say, what is the gospel? You know what a lot of people have said? Is it the Bible? I've had a lot of people say that. Other people will say, I think it's the commandments of God. Some people will say, I think it's the New Testament. Or something of that nature. Have you obeyed the gospel? It's a hard thing to obey if you don't even know what it is. So before you answer that question, I want you to know that if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you got trouble. And there's only one person that can help. And when people answer the question, have you obeyed the gospel? They say yes, or they say no, or they say I don't know. But I'll tell you, you have to answer this question today. You have to. Yes or no, 
or I don't know. And so one of the ways that we're going to have to understand a way to answer this is what is sin? Sin is the trouble and sin is the problem. In the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, he said, Whosoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. I had an old friend back home. He was kind of an outlaw. We all called him outlaw. First time I met him, I heard his name, and I remember my dad talking about this guy. And I remember thinking, he's a wild man. And I shook his hand, and... He told me his name, and I said, I'm Sean Zebach. He said, whose boy are you? I said, I'm David's boy. He said, I know your daddy. And I said, yeah, I've heard of you, too. He said, what have you heard? I said, how you shot and killed a man? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he said, well, some things you can't live down. <laughs> I said, I guess not. <laughs> He proceeded to tell me how he'd fought the law, he fought the sheriff, he fought the deputies, how they beat him up against a cop car. I got to know the guy pretty well. He's an outlaw. We sitting in a cafe one day, and a state trooper walked in. He just stood there and just shook. I said, Riley, calm down. <laughs> he said, I'd like to go fight him right now. He's an outlaw. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is to oppose God, to live against God, to defy the commands of God. I think we probably understand what sin is. He says it this way, 1 John 5 verse 17, All unrighteousness is sin. To do things that are not right is sin. And we have a book of commands from God, and He's commanded us what to do and what to avoid. Don't do this and do that. And those things are there for your good. Those things are there because God loves you. Have you ever broken God's law? I never shot and killed nobody. Shot my sister with BB gun. Maybe an accident, maybe not. I'd plead the fifth. She is mean. You ever broke God's law? Well, sure we have. I mean, if we're honest at all, if we understand anything about God's Word, we've broke God's law. And it's real easy to understand. All have sinned, he says. Have you ever felt like, as you thought about your life, and you examine yourself I'm the worst sinner on earth I'll tell you I felt that way a bunch of times I felt that way and thought about my life and I've thought about my problems I thought well you're rotten you know better than to do what you're doing you know better than to think what you're thinking you've been taught better by your parents I've thought that I told my cousin one time, I said, I am the worst sinner there ever was. He said, you're in second place, buddy. He said, I'm the worst. And I think we can understand we all sin and we all do wrong. And here's the trouble with sin. If you committed sin, then you have trouble. He says the wages of sin is death. And maybe you read that today and you think that's pretty hard. That's hard. Because I ain't never shot and killed a man. I ain't never been arrested. I had never gotten a fight with the law. I never even shot my sister. 
Well, I'll tell you something about God. He's righteous and He's holy. And sin is sin. And one sin to God is just as bad as another. A lie is just as bad with murder. And God is holy. And God is just. The wages of sin is death. The book of Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spared not thus death spared to all men because all sin. We've all done it. We're all guilty. We're all stained. The truth is I'm stained with sin and you're stained with sin. And it's a problem just like a tornado. I can't do anything about it. And you can't do anything about it. And we've all seen and met people who are going to do more good deeds than bad. I'm going to tell you what, you can't do it. You can't be better enough. You can't outthink and stop sinning. You can't do so many good deeds. You can't make enough money and give enough money. Did you know that if everyone in this building decides we're going to forgive one of Sean's sins, everybody together, you don't have enough money and you ain't done enough good deeds to forgive one. Because the wages of sin is death. And death has come to the world. And death has passed upon all. Because we all sin. And we've all broken God's laws. In the eyes of God we're all outlaws. And the penalty is death. And you say maybe that's too hard. That's just the way it is. That is God's law. Sin carries the death penalty. In the book of Isaiah 59, beginning in verse 1, Behold, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You are blocked from God because of sin. You're separated. You're put in jail. Good friend of mine was in prison a long time. I'd go see him. I couldn't even touch him. We were separated. And if you're living in sin, you're not in communion with God. If you've committed sin, you're not God's friend. You're not God's child. You're an outlaw. You're an outlaw. The book of Revelation, chapter 20, beginning in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. God knows what you do. He knows what you say. He knows what you think. You know, when I was in third grade, my father's on the school board. He come home and he says, son, your, your aunt, your Aunt Janie applied for a job, a teaching job here at Briscoe. I remember, I thought, oh, no. I remember praying, please don't let her get that job. I'll get a whooping every day. 
Everything I do, she'll know. She'll tell my folks, and I'm going to get beaten after beaten. Please, Lord. I said, she didn't. She didn't get it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> she got a job and teacher. Man. We, we know. God knows. We, we try to hide things. We won't tell things. We're afraid to confess things. But deep down, we know. Deep down, when there's an invitation song, you know. We know we need to go forward. We know we need to confess. We know we need to humble ourselves. We, we, we know we need to get rid of that sin. We know we need to change our life. I'll never forget sitting with a couple one time, myself and Ian Jones. These folks weren't married. They were shacked up, living together. They were living in sin. Ian looked them right in the eyes. He said, your prayers don't get past the ceiling. They, just, they hung their heads. They know. And we know what sin is, and we know what it does. One day we're going to stand before God, and the records are going to be open. He says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to their works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here's the trouble. You're going to pay. You're going to pay. And I can't pay for you. And your parents can't pay. Your wife can't pay. You can't sacrifice enough. You can't pay enough. You can't work enough. The price is death. But here's the solution. And here's where God's love comes in. God, lo God loves you so much that He'll pay the price. He has paid it. He loves you so much, He's going to step in and help where no one else can help. He died for you because He loves you and He wants you to be saved. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He's going to pay. Someone who was pure and innocent. Someone who was holy. Someone who only did good. Who was only kind. Who was clean and pure. Jesus, the Son of God. He steps up and He says, I'll pay. And not only did... He paid for one sin, He paid for all my sins, and He paid for all your sins and all the sins of everyone alive today and all the sins who have, of the people who have ever lived and all the sins of everyone who will ever live. He's paid it all. Because He loves you. Because He wants to help. Revelation 1, verse 5, From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I remember as a child coming in to the house, it would be supper time, and my mother would take and wash my hands and clean me up. And I remember when I got to a certain age, she'd say, Go wash your own hands. And she loved me. She cleaned me up. God loves you. He'll clean you up. God loves you. He'll change your life. He loves you. 
He can heal a broken heart. He can heal a broken life. All the bad that's done, that you've done, all the hurt that you've caused, He can fix it. And He can use it for His own good. All the things that you've done that nobody can help with, He'll fix it. He'll use it. He can use it for His own good. He will wash you and clean you. And so what is the gospel? I tell you, it's the answer to your problem. It's the answer to your trouble. And this is how it's described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel's pretty simple. It is that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again. He died for us. And He paid the penalty of death when He died for you. He paid the ultimate price. He died for you, and He was buried, and He rose again to new life the third day. And we call this the death, burial, and resurrection. And the way that we obey this gospel today is to get into the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And we do that through baptism. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into His death. And the way you obey the gospel is to get into the death of Jesus. The gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection. In baptism, we are baptized into His death. Let's keep reading. Therefore, we are buried with Him through baptism into death. And just as Jesus was buried, we've got to be buried down in the water. And we're fulfilling the obedience of the gospel by being baptized into His death and by being buried with Him through baptism into death. He says that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We go down into that water, a dead man. Dead in sin. Lost, hopelessly, helpless. And we come up out of that water to new life. Cleansed, purified, holy, brand new. That's the good news. That's the good news. He says, don't you know you were baptized into His death. You are buried with Him by baptism. And thirdly, like Christ was raised up, you walk in newness of life. I want to keep reading in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, he says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed or done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You can go down in the water, and the outlaw can die. That outlaw can be destroyed. And you can come up out of that water a brand new creature. 
brand new creature. He says in verse 17, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that's baptism, a form of the gospel. You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you become slaves to righteousness. And I want to tell you the truth tonight. If you want to be saved from your sin, you're going to have to become the slave of Jesus. You're going to have to submit to Jesus. You're going to have to repent and humble yourself and change your ways. You're going to have to change your path and you're going to have to change your thoughts. This doesn't mean you won't never sin again. It means you're going to become a slave to Jesus and serve Jesus and follow Jesus and live for Jesus. A lot of people want to name the name of Jesus. They don't want to walk the walk of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if you want forgiveness, you've got to surrender to Him. If you want to be cleansed from your problem and you want help, you've got to submit and change your direction and change your life. If you want to be set free, you've got to submit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to change your path. And I'm going to tell you what repentance is. It's a change of heart. It's a change of mind. And if you're like me, there's some things you've done you can't go back and change. And I'll tell you, if you could go back and change every bad thing you ever did, then you wouldn't need Jesus. But you can't. You can't go back and change the lie. You can't go back and undo being drunk. You can't go back and undo being covetous or lustful. You can't undo them things. But He will cleanse you. But you've got to surrender. You've got to repent. You've got to lay down that old life. That old man's got to die. That outlaw's got to be put to death. And there's a lot of people who can't do it. I sat down and studied with a lot of people. And I teach them something real similar to this. And I look them in the eye and say, Do you need to be baptized? And you know what they say? I'm not ready yet. I want to tell you, that's code. Okay? And I've learned the code. I'm not through sinning yet. That's what that says. I got a little more sinning I want to do. I want to tell you, you're going to have to surrender to Jesus. But if you will surrender to Him, He will cleanse you holy. And these people who killed Jesus, they said, repent and be baptized, and your sins will be forgiven. And that's the truth. I want to show you an account. We'll just read the whole thing. won't take too long. Acts 8, beginning of verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless some man guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. He needed help. This man has a problem. He's a sinner. 
He's never submitted to Christ. He's never surrendered. He's never heard of Him. But he hears about Him on this occasion. And he's going to learn about Jesus. In verse 32, the place in the Scriptures which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb dumb before his shears is silent. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth in the beginning of the Scripture and preached Jesus to him. I wonder what he preached. Jesus? I'll tell you what he preached. He preached the death, burial, and the resurrection, just like you've heard tonight. He preached the problem of his sin. He told him that he was an outlaw. You might not have used that word. He taught him about his problem of sin and how he was separated from God. And the only answer was Jesus. And that one day a judgment was coming. Undoubtedly he taught him those things because he preached Jesus. In verse 36, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm going to tell you what he did that day. He surrendered. He repented. He changed his course. He changed his direction. He changed his life. I'm going to tell you something better than that. He changed his eternity. He changed what was going to happen on the day of judgment. He changed the answer to the books that were going to be opened. He made a change in a coming statement from God. Depart from ye, to come ye blessed. That's the change. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He baptized him. I want to keep reading with you. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. He's, now Philip's gone. The eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. He's happy. Happy. I was preaching a meeting quite a few years ago. A young man wanted to be baptized. We were all thrilled. Everyone was very happy. I asked this young man, I said, is there someone you would like to baptize you? He said, I'd like my father to baptize me. I said, I think that's great. His father come up. I said, just surrender. Just hold your breath and just, you know. He is scared of water. And he struggled. The first time he put him down, he grabbed a hold to the side and held on like the dickens. And I told his dad, I said, you're going to have to do that again. He, you grabbed a hold of the side. I said, don't hang on to the side. Just relax. The second time, he grabbed a hold, and I grabbed his hand and tried to pry it loose. This young man was struggling. He come up again. He's coughing and sputtering. I said, we're going to have to do it again. I'm sorry. I said, hang on. You know, hang on. Don't put your hands up. 
Third time when his dad started, I said, push him the bottom. <laughs> and he, he did. You know, it's hard. That's hard to surrender. I'm going to tell you something. You don't go baptize yourself. You've got to let somebody else do that. You've got to lay back. and It's a vulnerable position. You've got you to yield. You've got to yield to God. God chose something that wasn't too comfortable. You've got to want this. You've got to be willing to lay your hands in some, your life in someone else's hands. You've got to be willing to surrender to God. Well, I want to tell you something. I want you to notice what happened to this man. He went on his way rejoicing. He went, on, he went home happy. You know how many people I've seen come to a church service in their long face. I'm up here and I can see you folks. I see people in the service, they've got a long face. And the closer it gets to the invitation song, I see a longer face. I see people grab a hold of a baby and play with it. They want to hear. We don't want to feel guilt. We don't want to feel that burden. It feels awful. I'll tell you, if you want to go home happy, I'm talking about with true joy, you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to walk up here and go down in that water and repent and change your life. And God will bless you. And you will go home with the greatest joy. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing better than forgiveness. There is nothing better than to be clean and sanctified and purified. There is nothing better to, be put on, to have put on Christ and to be baptized into Christ. There is nothing better than to be a new creature. Because he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And I don't care tonight if you're the biggest outlaw in town. I don't care if you're the worst sinner in Hale County. You can go home tonight as clean and as pure as a newborn baby. As a brand new creature. And you know what the truth is? That's what God wants you to do. Because the whole time you're struggling in sin. The whole time you're burdened with guilt and you're miserable. The whole time... God's got his hands out to you, and all you got to do is take hold and surrender. I want you to do that as we sing. I want you to come up and take my hand.